Thank you to our fake crowd here. Let's turn them down. Thanks for joining us here on the Rome International Film Festival podcast on Rome Business Radio. We broadcast from the Hardy Realty Studios on Broad Street in downtown Rome, Georgia. We work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. And this podcast is presented by a local business, Manco Logistics. You can find them online at mancolog.com. That's M-A-N-C-O-L-O-G.com. I am the moderator of our podcast, Roger Manus with Rome Business Radio, and I'm going to turn it over to our host now, the executive director of RIF, the Rome International Film Festival, Seth Ingram. How you doing, Seth? Doing great. Got my buddy Mark Van Leuven here, board president. Got a very special guest today. We're excited about the show. Who's our guest today? Our guest is a legend in these parts of the country uh, and other parts of the country. Um, he is a former executive director of the Rome International Film Festival. He is an accomplished musician and actor, the one and only Harry Musselwhite. Well, hello, everybody. Oh. <laughs> that's, our, that's our fake studio audience. Uh, I love it. I love it. It's great to be here today, folks. Great to be here. Hi, hi, Harry. I'm Roger Manus with Rome Business Radio, and I'm kind of here to moderate the conversation that you guys have for Riff. Excited to be a part of this. Uh, so I'll just step back and welcome to the wonderful world of Bluetooth, and uh, you're connected, and let's talk. Yeah. So Thank you, Roger. Thank you. Well, for those who uh, who aren't familiar familiar with you, Harry, uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to. I introduced your your past, but tell us a little bit about what's going on in your present well, I uh, uh, I lived in Rome for for thirty years. Where I uh, my day job was, I was a music professor at Berry College. I led the choirs and taught voice and uh, did all sorts of things like that. And uh, and then, of course, became active in the in the film industry through a, a number of, of things, including uh, I started out writing synopses for the Rome International Film Festival. So that I had a humble beginning. I had a I had a legal pad, a pen, and a stack of DVDs, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, for thirty years I was in Rome and loved Rome and raised a, a wonderful son there. And uh, we, uh, I retired from from uh, Barry College, and my wife uh, is the dean of instruction at the University of New Mexico, Valencia, which is about twenty minutes south of Albuquerque. And so we've been out here around nine years, and. My plan was to be uh, involved in the motion picture industry out here, which is very vibrant, very thriving. We have we have the incentives like Georgia does, and uh, uh, we have uh, four major studios here, brick and mortar studios, including a gigantic one uh, that's owned by Netflix. And uh, so I have been really, really lucky in that I I was um, I was able to move into the to the business out here, I don't want to say seamlessly, but close to seamlessly. And, uh, uh, and I, I act, I produce, uh, I, um, I wasn't going to do music out here. I, I felt like I'd done music for 30 years back in Georgia and, and, and uh, a colleague said, well, think again. <laughs> so, uh, I have a new, a new company, uh, here called Dos Sueños Music Production, and we do music scores for motion pictures and television shows. So that's just another Another thing that I do. So, uh, um, and and I've continued. Oddly enough, I've continued uh, music performance out here. I've done some opera and some concertizing, and uh, 
Uh, and so uh, uh, I'm just having a blast. It's a beautiful, they call it the land of enchantment. We call it the land of entrapment. So there you go. <laughs> well, uh, I've also seen you on the screen a few times um, in the last year or so. Uh, so I, I think I yeah, saw you, I, I think I saw you slap McGruber. Is that right? Uh, yes, I had a, my first action scene, which was really fun. Uh, Wait, they didn't need uh, a, they didn't need a stunt man. <laughs> no, no stunt man, just me. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, it was just three of us on set, which was really a, a, a remarkable thing. It was me and Will Forte, who was from Saturday Night Live, and he created the, the character of McGruber. Uh, and uh, uh, and but the um, the third person on set was just a real bucket list for me. It was the legendary Sam Elliott. And Sam was just as charming and, and wonderful as he could be. And uh, I played Sam Elliott's butler. And uh, uh, we, we, we taped all day. And uh, at, at one point, we, we crossed crossed set. And he was headed in one direction. I was headed in the other. And he stopped me. He reached out. And he grabbed my arm. And with that great Sam Elliott voice, he said, Harry, how are you holding up? <laughs> I said, Sam, I'm doing, I'm doing just great. And, uh, and, uh, unlike, uh, uh, some other stuff, my, uh, they used everything. They, I don't think they, they cut, I mean, we did lots of takes obviously, but I don't think they cut anything for the McGrouper thing. And, and, uh, and a lot of people got to see it. Uh, the other biggest thing I've done is I, I was in, uh, uh, an episode of better call Saul and, uh, uh, and I was just really thrilled to, to be on set with every major character. And uh, I played a, a lawyer who was helping, who delivered one of the eulogies that, that uh, if you remember the older brother of, of Jimmy, who, who was played by Michael McCain, he, you know, he, he died on mysterious fire and everything. But anyway, I, I they wrote me a beautiful, um, a be- beautiful monologue and, uh, and we taped it. And, and, and uh, when it was over, uh, Peter Gould, one of the showrunners of, of Better Call Saul, came through the set and grabbed me and he said, Harry, he said, we just love you. This was just fantastic. And I was going, well, I'm the king of the world. Well, Seth, you, you're a director and an editor. <laughs> you know what happened? I got cut, man. My my part got cut to pieces. <laughs> I, I'm barely, barely in there. But as I say... The, the generous check cleared with no problem. <laughs> well, that's the the part that matters, I suppose. You're still in the credits. Absolutely, still in the credits, still on IMDb, uh, and I'm still in there. But but I mean, this beautiful beautiful monologue, which I really killed myself to you know to memorize and, and internalize and do all the actor things, and uh, uh, you know, and and they were just generous. I mean, I we taped that monologue for for over an hour, and so. Uh, and, uh, but, but it was great. They were wonderful. All the people I was, like I say, I was with, I was everybody. I was with everybody, but John Carlo Esposito, he was not, he was not on, on the set that day. And, uh, uh, I saw Michael McKean on, 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 on the lot and I wanted so bad to, to run up to him and grab him and, and thank him for spinal tap, you know, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to do that, but. But it was great fun. As somebody not familiar with the industry as much as you guys are, obviously, that's interesting to me. As an actor, you go through the creative process, and Seth, maybe you can touch on this as well from a director or producer standpoint. Sometimes people get cut out or uh, something gets cut out. What are the decisions that go into making a cut to keep the story intact? Is it a timing thing? Is it a storytelling decision? What goes into that? It can be all of the above. Um, 
and it can be uh, executives giving notes, and it can be usually it is trying to just compress it all to get it to make it fit in the time slot, especially for for television. You're, you have some strict constraints there, but uh, yeah, and, and it could be a creative choice. You know, you could get a bad performance. Not saying that your performance is bad, Harry, uh, but you well, could. They, they acted like I was I was the king of the world, so maybe they're just good liars. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff gets left on the cutting room floor. It's um, you know, it could be a technical issue that you had on the set. You have some bad sound or something, and you don't want to bring the person back in for ADR, which is when you record their lip sync their voices back in the studio. All that's uh, all that costs money, extra money, if you don't get it on the set. So, well, is is it frustrating from the creative process to have been the actor and then get cut, or do you feel Absolutely. like you, you we, we we hate it? Yeah. <laughs> we want we 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 want to be on the screen. You know, the most famous one, at least uh, one of the most famous ones that I know of, is the uh, you know the beginning of the Big Chill. There's a there's a body, and it's sort of like the autopsy, and, and it's, it sort of sets up this weekend while those those college friends or, or gathering in South Carolina. Well, the body, which you never see the face, and he had a major, major scene. That's Kevin Costner. He got completely cut out of that movie. Yeah, they would they would never do that to Costner now. <laughs> no, 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 not now not now. Not now. He was a he was a, a young buck then. Yeah, so, I was I was actually that's 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 good movie trivia. I actually was familiar with that. Um and that yeah. in that crazy how uh in like a um Bruce Willis was an extra and Paul Newman's film, the verdict. He was in the, in the courtroom as just a, per, a person sitting in the courtroom. Um, well, and here's, here's another one for you. That's just speaking of Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott's first film is uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. And he's one of the card players at the hole in the wall. And he is uncredited. He was, is that he was he was just a nothing nobody. Was and that pre, of course, Sam, Sam was that, that pre-mustache. Sam is a household name. Pre- yeah, mustache? yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> How was it being in the room with Sam Elliott's mustache? <laughs> it, it was. Uh, I'll tell you what. He was freaky looking. In, in MacGruber, he has uh, shoulder length, straight white hair. He almost looks ghostly. He was just really, really freakish looking, and uh, and he plays a really sl- slimy guy. He, he, he's a, a murderer and whatever but it's all it's all tongue-in-cheek with mcgruber but but yeah the mustache was there <laughs> hey harry uh in mcgruber you were actually acting with two actors that also acted in tombstone together val kilmer and uh, sam elliott how was it working with val kilmer or did you share any t- time on set with him well i i was uh he val, val kilmer uh, was not on set the day that i was in, he was not in my episode so i i did not i did not see him i know he he had a he has a beautiful ranch quite near me here, but uh, uh, but I didn't get to work with him. Unfortunately, I would love to have worked with him. Well, it's it's great just as somebody kind of outside the industry that moderates a podcast for you guys that to hear. You know, Sam Elliott's had such a long and distinguished career, and I think Big Lebowski, I think his little guest starring role on Parks and Rec, a sitcom, but it starts and ends yeah. with me with Roadhouse. <laughs> so it's just oh, yeah. we, we all oh, associate yeah. different different actors with different things. It's great to hear that they're good people. You know that yes, they, they yes. so. Yeah, Mark's not going to trash I, anybody this week. <laughs> no, I'm not going to trash anybody. But you know, you were talking about uncredited roles and speaking of the Sam Elliott and Catherine Ross connection. Uh, Sam Elliott's married to Catherine Ross, and she was in The Graduate. And in The Graduate, I mean, y'all remember Norman Fell, who played Mr. Roper on Three's Company? I do. There was a scene when he's he's trying to kick Dustin Hoffman out. He's just suspicious of his character, and there's a guy who, behind Norman Fell's character, the landlord, saying. 
I'm going to call the cops. I'll call the cops. It's Richard Dreyfus, uncredited role, 1968 that, graduate. Though, yep, I, I can picture that scene as clear as a bell. That's that's incredible. You know the the things that happen. I, I shot an independent film uh, here in New Mexico uh, last fall called Behind the Yellow House, and uh, one of the uh, main features of this this particular film. It's a period film, 1950s, whatever. And so they had brought in all of these vintage automobiles and they were gorgeous. Oh, I was just salivating. It was wonderful. And, and we had been shooting all day and, and there was a sort of a parade of these cars as they pull up into this, this, this home. And, uh, we were, we were churning and burning, you know, we were doing takes and they were, they were resetting and, and life was good. and It wasn't too hot and it was just great. And, the lead most important car after about five or seven takes that car died deader than a cement block. It literally would not crank. I mean, they were freaking out. Of course, you know, film, film sets have a lot of experts, but not many film sets have an auto mechanic attached to it. And, <laughs> and we were out in the middle of the, 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 the desert sort of, and, and, um, and so the, the whole the whole scene, I mean, you know, just Seth knows as being a director, you got to learn how to improvise. And so they had to just stop that scene and and look at the footage that they had and and move on. But that car died, and I you could hear you could feel every member of the set from the grips, the actors, to whatever, everybody's shoulders just sunk down about you know three inches because it, it was such a key important part. And yet you had to you know time is money in film, you had to move on. What are let's let's um, circle back around to riff a little bit. What what are some of the pl- the pleasant things you remember and the headaches you remember that Seth deals with every day that he won't talk about the headaches? <laughs> Maybe he will. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, you know, I I was there uh, for eight years, and and by the way, it was a uh, it was a team because my my wife who didn't get any any credit nor did she want it as as assistant executive director or whatever um uh she was as much a part of the glue that held the festival together for those eight years as, as i was uh and so uh, i have to give her a big shout out because of what and, and we we this is so funny that i should be with you guys this morning because we were talking about seth and his beautiful bride working as a team on behalf of Riff and how, how there seems to be sort of a tradition of a husband and wife sort of, sort of uh, creative team helping Riff to, you know, to do the great job that it does. So uh, I, I want to definitely say that. And uh, so um, I, I think the, the highlight really were the people, particularly the, the people that came from out of town, whether they were, they were from, uh, uh, you know, LA or, uh, uh, you know, various places, but to, to meet, in in some cases, some real legends. Mary Badham, who was scout in in To Kill a Mockingbird, to to uh, I'll never forget picking her up at the Hawthorne Suites and not knowing if we were going to have a crowd. And I pulled down Broad Street, and we got to the corner of the block that that the DeSoto sits on, and the the crowd, the line was all the way down to the to the next block, and I was like, oh my gosh, and uh, of course, she was as charming and told all the Gregory Peck stories. So, it, what a privilege and an honor it was to be, you know, to be with her and and similar people to her. Uh, I met one of the great friends that still remains a great friend to me, uh, 
uh, a legendary bluegrass guitarist named Dan Crary, who is now one of my dearest friends. And uh, uh, he he was was sponsoring a, a film called Primal Twang, and he he uh, talked about that film. It was a, a music documentary. So. So the people, just just wonderful people. That that uh, it was such a privilege to to do that. And another great thing uh, was that when I I, re- I went to the Sundance Festival representing Riff and and to be a film festival executive director. Uh, my funny story there: I was on one of those shuttle buses going to one of the venues in Park City, Utah, and uh, uh, I was sitting with a stranger a filmmaker, and, and uh, so. I said, well, what do you do? And she says, well, I have a film here. Da, 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 da. And she says, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm the executive director of the Rome International Film Festival. And like a sitcom, eight hands suddenly <laughs> extended with DVDs in their hands. They, they, they were so ready. It was, it was just like a, a, a skit, right? I said, as soon as I said executive director, eight DVDs were thrust into my, my lap. So, that was that was pretty funny. I have very similar experience, uh, but I was at the Slam Dance Film Festival, which takes place in Park City during uh, the same time as Sundance, and they have a meet the directors portion of the film festival, and uh, everyone's telling them who they are. And I said, I'm Seth Ingram, I'm the executive director of the Rome International Film Festival, and I get flocked by uh, a lot of uh, ambitious filmmakers, uh, and then they quickly realized I didn't have an Italian accent. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it's the other wrong, but we're older than they are. Our festival's older anyway. Well, about a year or two. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, but no, it is, you get a lot of experiences and it is, it is interesting when you travel to places like that and, and represent the, the town and the film festival and all that we, we represent. It's a, uh, you're, you are an ambassador to Rome when you're, when you're in this position. So it's a, uh, it does have its perks sometimes in that, in that regard. But, uh, yeah, do you have any, do you have any other funny stories, Harry, about a uh, riff or? Well, actually, well, let's bring it back to the beginning when when riff was first when you first came on to riff. How did tell us how that transpired? How did you how did you come into the film festival? Well, I was uh, uh, I think um, I think I was just a board member. I was on the I was on uh, the board of the Rome Area Council for the Arts, and uh, uh, the. Uh, Two guys came in, Barry Norman, who was who brought brought the festival to Rome, and uh, Alan um, at, with the Rome Air Council for the Arts. Alan I can't pull his Alan last Bell. name. Alan, Alan, Alan Bell, 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 the great, the great Alan Bell. Uh, uh, so there we were one one afternoon, and they came in and they said we have this idea that you know we were all about and and, and remained a real champion of downtown Rome, you know, the broad street and the restaurants and the the culture and so forth. And and they, they pitched this film festival to, to us. And I was already a film, film buff and, 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 you know, had, had done anything with film. I was still at, you know, hundred percent music, but I really stood up on my chair and said, this is the best idea I've heard in ages. And, and uh, so it started out, in two venues, well, actually, it was a bunch of different venues. It was at it was at the DeSoto, and then there was a, a Rome doctor uh, whose name slips me, but he owned uh, the the uh, the movie theater that's in the uh, shopping center uh, where uh, all of these is now. There used the, to be a the, movie. The, the village. There was the village shopping center. The village theater. There you go. There you go. And uh, 
And so he generously gave one or two of his venues there. So we had great, great seating. You know, it was, it was a real film festival. And, and the people came and I was just like, you know, thrilled, you know, hey, I did the synopses. I'm somebody. I'm in the film business now, you know. And uh, so each year I ended up doing more. Uh, I think the next year I did I did some synopses and I think I did some Q and A's and the next year I did uh, I did a little bit more I was I think they asked me to be on the board at that point and then uh, and then as festivals everywhere not just Rome but here in in New Mexico whatever uh, it's it's tough it's tough to lead a nonprofit no matter what you're doing and so uh, people. People left. Barry left Rome. Uh, uh, Alan moved on to working for the uh, 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 the state in, in various uh, arts leadership roles. And uh, suddenly they said, "Harry, you're the guy." And I said, "Okay, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do this. I'll try this." And I had a vision, and uh, and I was excited at the privilege of leading the film festival. But I, but you asked me what I hated, and I'll just be honest <laughs> with you right on this podcast: what I hated more than anything else. And it's why I'm not in a in a nonprofit now. I just got so bloody tired of raising money, of begging for money. It just it wore me down and out, and uh, and so uh, you know I I left I left the film festival, and uh, it's so so funny uh, when I came out here. Um, I was uh, <laughs> I, the first year I was out here. I, I was they they found out they found me out. And I was on the board of, a, of an organization called the New Mexico Film Foundation, which is a which is a, a, a an organization that's prime job is to help uh, encourage and finance independent film in the state of, of New Mexico. It's a great great organization. And so I was on the board the first year, and the second year, year you know what's coming. I was executive director, <laughs> and I and and I I I finally went to the creator and I said, I love you. I said, I love this organization. I love what it does. I love what it stands for. I said, but I'm spending all my time raising money for the film foundation and I need to raise money for my own artistic product, my own films. I want to produce my own stuff. And I said, I don't, I said, I did this in Georgia. I said, I don't want to do it anymore out here. And he understood. And, uh, and so, uh, that's what I hated the, is, the, yeah. the, the, the constant begging. I, I can that. I can sympathize with you there, Harry. It's a it's and the I came into it the I had a the more established board of directors at the time that had a lot of traditional funding sources, and so that the first few years I didn't do a lot of it. But then as board members rotate off, you have to uh, step it up and and find out how to do it yourself. And so it's been right. I'm now entering my eighth year as director. Of this festival, wow. which is which is crazy, uh, doesn't and I, I thought I would be here for a uh, you know a couple of years, but I'm still here doing it, uh, and we've seen it grow. And, and at the time you were here, Harry, uh, I guess the film industry had kind of been here a little bit, but now it was maybe before the film industry just really landed in Georgia as solidified as they are now. Uh, yeah, we caught we caught us a, a, a wave of of, of 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 renewed film production and. Uh, and uh, we benefited from that, and then then it kind of kind of went down a little bit, and then with just eight years of you that that you can just see that graph of, of film production in uh, in Georgia. By the way, you, you guys need to know that we 
we New Mexicans, we hate Georgia. <laughs> I'm being facetious, but 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 uh, you know there uh, there there are are a number numbers of Georgia actors who come out here, and, and as I told a, 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 a there was a there was a big film event here a couple of weeks ago, and I said, "Yeah, these Georgia actors are taking food out of our New Mexico children's mouths," <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so uh, and and not not too many New Mexico actors do a lot of Atlanta work, and the reason is we're we're the majority of us are what are called day players, and day players basically means that you live where the films are being made and they don't have to pay transportation and flights and hotel. Right. And so it's, it, they're not going to hire me as a day player in the Atlanta market. unless some director like, well, Seth Ingram falls in love with my acting and, and, uh, you know, lures me to, to Georgia to, to act in, in a film. Uh, now if you're, if you move up to what's called a co-star, then things are taken care of. But, but, um, uh, you know, we're very, New Mexico really has its eye continually on what's happening in Georgia with the studios there, with the incentives. Uh, uh, and we believe that uh, a lot of people in Georgia keep their eye on New Mexico uh, because we're, you know, we, we have the, 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 we have the same studio system out here that you guys have. So it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. And, and the film festivals are part of that. Well, and, I think, Cog, yeah. and I think it, it with the onset of all the streaming over the years, uh, I think festivals have become a different sort of animal because there's such a proliferation of online content. Uh, and it used to be that you would come to the festival in a small town to see the films that maybe you wouldn't have a chance to see otherwise or uh, not all in one location. But now everything's at your fingertips. So it has changed the landscape of what film festivals look like over the years. Our, our big festival just ended here, and it's it's an interesting hybrid. It's it's called the Albuquerque Film and Music Experience, and it is half film and half music, and and uh, and so uh, and so as a result, you get a, you get a hybrid. You get a lot of music documentaries and, and that sort of thing, and uh, there are really nice venues here, uh, and and this one's pretty successful. Santa Fe has two competing film festivals. And by the way, Santa Fe is such a famous town, but honestly, it's, it's a small town to be the capital of New Mexico. I don't know what its population is, but it's really small. And, but, but because of its beauty and it's in its hyper artistic, positive environment, it attracts a lot of really uh, important creatives including this fellow named George R.R. R. Martin. Now, whatever happened to him? Did he ever have any success? I don't know. Anyway, but he, he, bought, a, he bought a theater, and uh, he, has a, he has a theater there that seats about 100, 150 people, and uh, it's basically New Mexico's super and superb indie cinema. So a lot of, lot of stuff happens under George R.R. R. Martin's. I joke that he has a faucet there in the in the Jean Cocteau Theater, and every Friday he turns it and money just pours out of it. But, you know, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> um, I have a question for both of you guys. Sorry, Mark, I'm going to leave you out. <laughs> hey, I'm just listening to the two executive directors go back and forth. And it, it, it's awesome, isn't it? You don't, you don't get that opportunity all that often. Yeah. Um, how I'm 
you know, I'm a movie buff, TV buff. So when I think when I hear New Mexico and you mention Albuquerque, of course, I think it's a great capital for methamphetamine because I watch Breaking Bad. That's <laughs> 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 my. You mentioned you were a Better Call Saul till they till they. Uh, <laughs> so uh, which which was awesome, by the way. But I'm familiar. I've heard of the Sundance Film Festival. I've heard of Tribeca. How how well known is Riff? in the industry. You know, you mentioned, you said you were executive director. They start handing you DVDs, Seth jokes that sometimes we get confused with Rome, Italy, but, but through the industry, you know, uh, how well known are we out there? I think over the years, we've developed a great reputation, especially with the filmmakers. And as the longer you exist, the better your reputation gets. Um, so, you know, you start out on those early foundations, you may be getting some more, uh, maybe not as high quality of, uh, submissions as you would get, we get later. Now, now we get, we, we have studios calling us, uh, you know, to try to play their films. So it's, it's very competitive. I I think, yeah, Harry, do you have an opinion on that? Well, I do, I do. And, and, uh, I, I have to say that, that, uh, I, most of the, most of, I'm pretty connected out here in the film industry. And I'd say the majority of the filmmakers out here in New Mexico are not, aware of riff they are not but i would say that a lot of if you if we went to a film event in atlanta and i said something like the santa fe international film festival i don't think they would know much about it and they certainly i don't think they would know anything about the albuquerque film and music experience i just i think i think it becomes very regionalized now that being said my good friends i am an evangelist for riff out here Everybody who makes what I deem to be a quality indie film, you guys are the first guys. I say, I said, contact Seth Ingram. Tell tell Seth Harry Harry Musselwhite recommends that he take a look at your film. I said I can't guarantee you that it'll be expect, accepted, but you'll you'll be past the front door. And I do that. I've been doing that out here for nine years, and proudly so, because I believe in Riff, and I I, I believe that. But uh, well, two things: I believe that Riff is a quality organization, and B, I believe that we have some of the most talented filmmakers on the planet out here in New Mexico, and so to get them connected. And by the way, I do the same thing with a, a buddy of mine, uh, the Knoxville Film Festival, which is a real quality film festival. I just helped a, uh, a young woman get her documentary in, in the Knoxville Film Festival, and they won the Audience Award, which made me very happy. So, so, um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I, listen, I, there's, a, there's a film festival in, uh, in Montana. What's the big, big resort? Is it Montana? Big Sky? Might be Big Sky, but it, I think it's a city. I don't know, but I, I, you, you brought me back now to Kevin Costner and Yellowstone when you mentioned Montana. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, well, the point the point is, I, 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 film festivals I think have a uh, unless it's what the ones you mentioned, uh, Tribeca and and uh, uh, Toronto and Sundance. Though those get the uh, the headlines in Variety magazine and Riff and Santa Fe and and AFME. They don't so much, you know, so, so it's a, and, and I'm not sure that's a game maker or a game breaker. It just is. It's good. And it's a different, those are a different vibe of film festival too, but they're what we call film market festivals where distributors yeah, go exactly. to the festivals to try to buy the films. Um, so that's when you're a film market, it's a, it's really is a game changer in Venice is one, a big one the, in Venice, Italy. 
Uh, South by Southwest is another one regionally, but we're trying, right, right. And we, but we are maturing as a film festival in our, entering our 19th year. So I think that we are trying to grow it from, you know, a very regional uh, or grow it to a regional festival because uh, we do have, we are more widely known than we have been. So I think we are getting higher quality submissions and people do know about us. Um, and with the evangelism of uh, Harry Musselwhite, the, the world, <laughs> well, the metaphors that I, I still, use. I'm, I'm still I'm still getting my checks from using that. <laughs> oh, oops, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have said that. I should have said that. One of the metaphors um, I use is the, I like minor league baseball, and I, I see the, the film industry kind of, or the film festival circuit kind of like minor league baseball. You work your way up the ladder with some of the regionals and getting the notice of folks higher on up in the distributorships and so on. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's probably the best way to, to describe it to a layperson about how that operates if you're familiar with the, uh, the way it works and the farm system of baseball. Well, just the star quality, the star quality that has visited Rome over the years because of it. And as the industry grows here in the state of Georgia. And the more film production we get to, the easier it is to, you know, it's easier to get a star to come out of Atlanta or off of a film set that's filming here locally than it is to fly someone in from wherever they are. So that makes it a a little bit easier. Well, you know, along the same subject, you you know, a a film festival that I've been to many times and know, know some of the people, and I never hear a word about it out here. And that's the Atlanta Film Festival. Never hear anything about it. Yeah, and then maybe I don't read the right trades or or talk to the right people, but but uh, I don't. I I never hear of any filmmakers out there saying, "Hey, I've entered my film at the Atlanta Film Festival," or "I made the Atlanta Film Festival." I don't know what what's going on. If maybe they're just self satisfied with just serving Atlanta, and I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. Yes. Yeah, it's always been a bit of an anomaly to, to figure that out. I know they get a ton of submissions, so people are submitting to their, their festival. Right, right. Um, but in marketing, it is the hardest thing. That's what I've found to be the hardest thing with, with Riff is just to get the word out. When a lot of times you're, you know, your program sometimes, especially with your celebrity guest, comes a last minute, but it's really not about the celebrities. It's about the films. And But right. just, just to promote it and get the word out, people know that they have been, know the culture of it, and they come no matter who's you know on the lineup. But just trying to market the festival is a is a challenge, and we do. I'll say half of our attendance is out of towners when we have the festival. So. I, right, I remember that the same. I think the same demographic for when I was, you know, there. I, I, we all these people were coming from Macon and Atlanta, and and uh, uh, you know, real real film film buffs and everything, and, and absolutely. And that that was a frustrating thing, you know, for for Romans. I mean, I, I always used to. Uh, my cliche was. I, I wish the folks down on Horse Lake Creek would, would just get out of their recliner and, and come to an independent movie. It might change their life, you know. Uh, uh, but but you know, it's people are set in their ways, and and you know, if if it's if it's at the DeSoto, could it be any good? Well, the answer is yes, it could be great. <laughs> you know, to circle this back to what you circle this back to what y'all were talking about before about Harry. You had mentioned about this is something that you were involved with with your spouse, and of course. Seth and April play instrumental role with the organization as it is now. That is definitely something that I've heard from outsiders and folks even within the community that separates us from some of the other film festivals, giving it that 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 personal touch. Yeah, that I, I I hate using the term hometown touch, but more of a touch where people feel like they can engage with people more personally. They can network on a, yeah. on a cozier level, if you want to. That's kind of a trite term to use, but. Uh, which might set it apart from some of the larger festivals that people have heard about or some of the more brand names where uh, there is a different vibe. So definitely to your credit, to Seth's credit, and all the significant others of the folks who have been involved with Riff, that's something we've prided ourselves over the last nearly 20 years. 
and rightly so. Absolutely. Hurrah, huzzah, and rightly so. And, you know, I, I just this is just me being a little emotional. And I know Seth feels the same way because we've had this conversation. There's just nothing like during Rift walking down toward Schroeder's and seeing all these people with their lanyards and, and their Rift tags. That that just, you know, strangers that you've never seen before. And they're in Rome and they're attending your event that you worked so hard and and, and they're in your town and and the shopkeepers, the restaurateurs, John Schroeder, when he he would be in that restaurant greeting every filmmaker, oh, you're here for Riff. Oh, that's wonderful. He, he was down there just really, really help, helping the, the cause. And, and there are other unsung heroes down there on Broad Street that, that, are, that are doing that yeah. and off Broad Street. And but, we, but, yeah. We recently had, uh, uh, last year we had someone attend the festival with the Consulate General of uh, Israel. And uh, he was from L.A. originally, I believe, right? New York, New York, from New York. But he was he was admiring how that the town is part of the fabric of the festival. It's not like you're just mm-hmm. going into a cineplex and it lives and dies there. But the the entire town is the backdrop of the festival, and is it, you participate with the town in the festival, and that's that is what is what you get out of a town that's outside of a metro area. That is a destination, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like when the first time I did the festival. I didn't know what it was going to be like, and it felt like going to summer camp with a bunch of your and you you, you 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 don't know these people, and you're with them for three or four days, and then they become some of your best friends, and then it's all over, and you're like just you have this you're missing everyone as soon as they're gone, uh, and exactly. That, and I'll never exactly. forget that that first experience, but it, it's different every year, uh, you know when you and when you when you have a celebrity that puts on a certain amount of expectations. And some, when you have to spend time with a certain amount of people, you don't get to spend your time with his, all the filmmakers, which is what I really love to do is uh, meet all the filmmakers and make all the connections. And uh, as I go around, we were at a festival this weekend in Texas and making connections there. So it's like, it, it, you get to, when you go as a filmmaker, you get to experience it from the other side and you have a respect for what the festival does and you see how they treat their filmmakers and, uh, and all of their guests and their patrons and sponsors and, uh, so it is, you, you've got to do a great job of welcoming everyone and making everyone feel like they're a part of it. And that, if you can do that, your reputation will, will grow and you'll, people will want to come to your festival. Well, y'all, have, exactly. y'all have both touched on it a little bit. Uh, I, uh, the economic impact, uh, <laughs> hotels and restaurants, I mean, it, it benefits the entire town, um, when, when Riff goes on. Yeah. And I, I do you know, I, I bill us as a uh, economic development engine because now that we have quite a few film productions here all the time and half of them are the ones that I have a connection to or have brought here, but I'm constantly out there wherever I go, uh, you know, promoting Rome as a film location as well. But we do have the event itself does produce, you know, we have up to 5,000 attendees a year over the course of the festival. And that does bring in a lot of heads and beds and restaurants, get a lot of business. That's great. And it's one of the things that I, I, impress upon our board we, you know, we're brand ambassadors as opposed to board members because yes the event happens over the course of three or four days but it's really the culmination of everything else that's happened over the course of the year seth's efforts bringing productions to town the events that we hold I mean, we want to make this more of a year-round integrated experience and being brand and being brand ambassadors is one of those things that helps raise awareness to what this community can offer for the film industry and people who are film buffs and the economic impact getting to your point roger that results out of it. 
Have you, you know one 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 nut that I never cracked as, as executive director, and I think I think Seth, you you you've done a little bit better than me, maybe a lot better than me, is that we would we would put on the festival and we would send press releases to a paper I happened to write for. I don't know if you guys have ever read my columns, but but uh, uh I, you know the Rome News Tribune and and uh and like clockwork they would put out the nicest article on the Sunday after the festival was over. And, and I would, I would go, guys, you're not helping us here. I mean, who cares about what, what, you know, it's past history. Give us, give us the article, give us two, three articles during that week. Help us, you know, do that. And I would just be greeted with blank stares, you know? So, so, uh, Good, I, I that know, game how, how has changed. Oh, they are great. They're they're very supportive over there, Severo and his good, team. They're good. Uh, it's definitely changed. Yeah, we we get a bit. The problem on our end is getting them all the stuff they need in time. Um, it's just putting on a big event like this. It takes an army, and then sometimes that army is you and your wife. Uh, we and a few board <laughs> members. Right. You know, you got to be scrappy. But it's it's hard to get those press releases out. This is we've. Uh, uh, we're changing. I mean, we're, we're elevating it. We're growing. I, I think this, this festival is definitely growing in all respects, including how we're marketing and, um, all the, the variety is covering riff this year and New York times is covering riff this year. And we have Excellent. a podcast and we have a podcast now yeah. and a podcast <laughs> and, and, and let me a shameless self-promotion. I'd like for your, your, uh, if any of your listeners, uh, are interested in, uh, show business in New Mexico and so forth and so on. Uh, my, partner and I, my writing and producing partner, Donald J. Davenport is his name. We have a podcast called The Dungball Express. And we covered the business of show throughout. We have we have guests from all over the country. And uh uh so uh, uh it would be a great a great brother sister podcast to, to go with the Riff podcast. The Dungball Express Dennis, is that the Dung a, Ball is in like the Dung Beetle? As in the dung beetle, because uh, that's what show business is like if you follow me. And you have a lot of them out there, because I lived out in Arizona for a while. I've seen my fair share of dung beetles. Well, the human and the insect variety. We'll definitely uh, share that and tune into that area. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna, we're we're gonna be wrapping up here. But I just wanted uh, before we go uh, next year, not this year. Our festival this year is November tenth through the thirteenth. We're very excited about that. We'll be announcing all of our programming in the coming weeks. But the next Great. year, Harry, is year number twenty, and we're gonna celebrate our twentieth anniversary. And we want to invite all of the. Uh, former executive directors and board members to come back and participate in that festival. So hopefully year number oh, 20, you can be with us. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. Go ahead that. and put it on your calendar. If you can. Absolutely. I have to keep me, keep me on, on that, that hot line there because I would love to come back and, and, and uh, rub elbows with you great folks and, and, and tell tall tales. That'd be terrific. <laughs> well, we're, we're so grateful to have had you as a guest, Harry. Hopefully we'll have you back at some point, uh, maybe in person at some point. So and great That'd to talk fun. to somebody it, from the Berry been, family again. It, well, absolutely. It's been a privilege and a pleasure to be with you guys. It, it, it wasn't even a, a, a difficulty. It flowed like water. It was great. And give my regards to your lovely bride and my, my bride sympathizes with all the work <laughs> we make them do. She's can't do it without and, and tell. Tell Michael Dudway to get a permanent job at some point. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, this has been Alrighty. fantastic. You've been listening to the Rome International Film Festival podcast. We broadcast from the Hardy Realty Studios on Broad Street in downtown Rome. 
We work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune, and this podcast is sponsored by Manco Logistics, a local business that is invested in the success of the Rome International Film Festival. We thank you so much for listening.